0: There are, there are those three kind of categories of people in all of our lives. There are those who are forming us. There are those who are accompanying and walking with us who are kind of like at our same level. And there are those who we are forming. My back has been hurting so bad this past week, I'm actually thinking about removing my spine. It's just holding me back. Hi everyone, welcome to episode, what episode, 184. If it's your first time listening, uh, we start every episode with a dad joke, that's what that was. I'm not actually going to remove my spine, praise be to God. Uh, But thanks for joining us. If it's your first time listening, then you should rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. And you should head over to our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com and click on the subscribe button where you can for free sign up for our weekly psalm reflection that gets mailed to you every wednesday a reflection on the psalm response for the upcoming sunday and if you feel so inclined you can click on the give button and contribute to this podcast for as little as one dollar a month the highest compliment you can pay us at this podcast me is to uh, share this with your friends and family and the best way to do that is to do it on social media and if you do so please tag us at man of food for thought uh, on instagram that's where we're most active otherwise you can find all of our social media contact info on our website. And without further ado, let's get into our joy junk and Jesus. So, what's bringing you joy this week? What's bringing you junk so we can pray for you? Where have you encountered Jesus? We'd love to hear. For me, my joy is that uh, tomorrow I'm leaving for um, my Life Teen Area Contact retreat that I go on every year in Georgia. Uh, And so I'm very excited for that. Um, And it's been a joyful week and previous week as well, but that's something I'm very excited for. My junk is that my flight... (laughs) Uh, leaves out of San Diego at 6 in the morning and so I have to wake up uh, at 3 in order to get on the road in time in order to get to the airport on time in order to get through security on time to get on my flight so I'm also going to be away from my family for 3 days Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of flying it's gotten better over the years sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse it kind of depends I like flying early in the morning because then I'm compelled to sleep on the plane so I don't really have to pay attention to it I'm just so tired but also, I'm having this weird yesterday and today. This weird, like, uh, I feel like there's like water stuck in my ear, uh, in my right ear. And so, if you could pray for me as you hear this, um, and just pray that that goes away, because you know the change in pressure and ear stuff. I'm, you know, I don't want that to turn into something really uncomfortable or painful while I'm on this plane. So, um, I got enough normal things that I worry about on a plane already. So. Um, yeah, so all of that, I, it's all just, you know, obstacles, spiritual warfare. So I probably am, feel like I don't want to go on this, but I'm going to go. So take that enemy. Um, and then, uh, my Jesus moment this past week was that we had five people come into the church on Sunday. Well, three people come into the church from other denominations, and then two people also get confirmed, uh, and complete their sacraments, uh, just at our normal nine o'clock mass. So it was really beautiful. And I had a lot of people come up to me and comment just how wonderful that is to see that there's constantly people coming into the church. Um, and even though this isn't necessarily the main season where that happens, like Easter or Pentecost, um, it's it, it can happen um, for some people depending on their formation all throughout the year. So it's great to see that that happening. Uh, I think it's funny because it's kind of like taxes. Um, my buddy Patrick is, a, is an accountant. And so he talks about the deadlines and, you know, April 15th is tax day and that's right around Easter time but then you have an extension deadline, which is October uh, 15th or 16th, which is today that I'm recording. And uh, so it's kind of like sacraments are the same thing. It's just like, you know, you can get it the normal time or you get an extension. So anyway, I just thought that was funny. So let's get into our podcast episode. Uh, we always focus on the second reading for this upcoming Sunday, which is the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And our second reading comes from First Thessalonians. We'll be in First Thessalonians for almost the rest of the liturgical year up until Advent. I think we just have the final Sunday uh, before Advent where we change. but uh, So we're going to be in this letter for a little while. So 1 Thessalonians uh, is believed to be the the earliest letter that Paul wrote, one of the very first letters that he wrote. Um, Not one of the first churches he established or that he visited, but just happens to be the first one he wrote. And he wrote two letters to the church in Thessalonica, which is in modern-day Greece, uh, kind of in the lower portion of Greece. Uh, And he's writing in the midst of his travels uh, with two of his companions. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, But he's writing to this church, um, just basically what is it, kind of some of the fundamental things that he writes in a lot of his letters. Like what does it mean to be faithful? Um, How do we not listen to false teachers? How can you be assured that you're holding on to what we passed on to you and you're not getting caught up in local fads or other preachers that are coming in that are not preaching the word of Jesus? Um, how do you focus on what's most important, uh, and and look to our example and seeing that you are also following that example and bearing fruit? That's uh, those are big things in uh, in Thessalonians. So, let's read uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter one verses one through five b, and then next week we'll pick up right where we left off. Read from five c to verse ten. So we'll be uh, in this this first section for a couple weeks. So, this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, remembering you in our prayers, unceasingly calling to mind your work of faith and labor of love, and endurance in hope of our Lord Jesus Christ before our God and Father, knowing, brothers and sisters loved by God, how you were chosen. For our gospel did not come to you in word alone, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with much conviction. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, a few things about this passage. Um, I love how this points out, you know, remembering you in our prayers, that praising them for their work of faith and labor of love, that they're working together in community. It's a community of prayer. And that this gospel did not come in word alone, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with much conviction. I think all of that's important. But the thing that I really wanted to focus on, actually, is just the very beginning. How it's Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy writing to the church in in Thessalonica. And we all know who St. Paul is. You know, he used to be Saul. He was a murderer of Christians. He was a a Jewish Pharisee educated by the rabbi Gamaliel, uh, who we see, I think, in Acts chapter 4 or 5. very reputable person, very well educated, has this profound conversion experience where Jesus knocks him to the ground um, and blinds him on the road to Damascus, and and reveals to him that he is real and he is the one who Paul is or Saul is persecuting. So Saul begins going by his uh, his Greek name, Paul, to go minister to the Gentiles once he's trained and and heals from his blindness and learns this this new faith of Christianity. And so along the way, he goes on several missionary journeys, three or four missionary journeys throughout all of Asia minor and, you know, uh, southeastern Europe and Northern Africa and the Holy Land and all these places preaching, uh, this good news of Jesus Christ. And along the way, he has a lot of different companions, traveling companions. Um, two that are with, uh, so some that are with him for a while, Barnabas, Luke, uh, people like that, uh, John Mark, uh, but two who are also spent a lot of time with him are mentioned here, Sylvanus or Silas, as he's sometimes also, um, mentioned and Timothy, and so uh, Sylvanus or Silas, um, this uh, is someone who traveled with Paul after he separates from Barnabas. Him and Barnabas, I think they were cousins uh, or something like that. And they had um, they had some kind of disagreement in Acts chapter fifteen, verse forty, um, and that Silas kind of uh, took on the role of like a secretary, a scribe who helped um, Paul um, compose this 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 letter. Um, so that's kind of who uh, who Silas is, um, and then Timothy, uh, he was um, a Christian in Lystra. Lystra is one of the places where um, Paul stops and ha- and uh, he heals someone who was crippled from birth, uh, leads a lot of people to accept his teaching. Uh, but but Timothy is already uh, in Lystra. It's a place in in Asia Minor. Uh, and he was born of a Jewish mother who became Christian and a Greek father. So he's kind of like a very worldly, he knows, is a lot of ways to relate to um, various groups of people. And so Paul visits Lystra with Barnabas, heals this person, um, and he retur- returns a few years later with Silas. And when he does, Timothy is already a respected member of the community there. Uh, along with his mo- mother Eunice, his grandmother Lois, they're both mentioned in um, one of his letters, Paul's letters to Timothy. Timothy eventually becomes the first bishop of Ephesus, uh, and he's believed to be one of the two witnesses to Mary's assumption into heaven, along with Saint John. And so, uh, because they were believed to have lived in or near Ephesus, um, so anyways, that's a little bit about who these two people are. Um, but what what sh- what. I don't know, resonated with me as I read this. It just kind of reminded me of the fact that, like, someone needs to be in, in our corner. Like, who's in your corner? Paul rarely traveled alone. And he had these traveling companions or people that he grew close to in these different cities where he established churches that he's constantly writing to with affection and admiration and a desire to be in community with them again. Uh, you know, all these different areas. He has all these different people who he's made these these lasting friendships and relationships with. And it just made me like compelled to ask, who's in your corner? Who's in your corner? Because really, this Christian life is a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And just like uh, any kind of boxing match or any other battle, there's always someone in the corner helping that person who's in the fight, giving them advice, patching them up, you know, making sure they have water and they're hydrated, coaching them. Um, and whatever the role of that person in your corner, like, who is it? Can you identify those people? Because no one is an island, like... The Catechism says, I always quote my favorite paragraph, 166, that you cannot have faith alone. That faith faith is not an isolated act. It's, it's something that cannot be done without community. No one can live alone just as no one can have faith alone, is what it says. And so Paul chose and needed and relied on others to form him, to accompany him, and to be formed by him. And so it just made me wonder and recognize like there are there are those three kind of categories of people in all of our lives there are those who are forming us there are those who are accompanying and walking with us who are kind of like at our same level and there are those who we are forming and whether we realize it or not those people are around us in our lives and we can kind of just go through life without the gratitude or the intentional like invitation to deepen that relationship or we can acknowledge, like, okay, who are the people in my life that are in those three categories? Uh, and this just, this isn't just friendship. This is like, this is acknowledging, like, we're in service to and an joyful label, labor together for the kingdom of God. Um, and, and this stuff it needs to be backed up by action. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. But, but that's it's so much easier when we're not doing it alone. When we're doing it with other people, like I don't know if you've ever had to like do something really, really hard, like work on a project or or run a marathon or something like that, like any kind of really big personal achievement or challenge. It's so much easier when you're training with other people, or you have other people testing you, quizzing you, helping you along the way, encouraging you. We need that. And Paul knew he needed that. And so who are those people in your life? You know, I'm reminded of the words uh, of the book of Sirach in chapter six, when it talks about what a faithful friend is like in verses 14 through 17, it says, Faithful friends are sturdy shelter. Whoever finds one, finds a treasure. Faithful friends are beyond price. No amount can balance their worth. Faithful friends are life-saving medicine. Those who fear God will find them. Those who fear the Lord enjoy stable friendship, for as they are, so will their neighbors be. Are you that type of friend for others? Who are those types of friends for you? And maybe you're recognizing, like, I have a lot of friendships in my life that are kind of vapid and shallow, or they're only based on the fact that we both like this one thing, but we have nothing else in common. Our, our values don't align, or this person maybe even leads me into situations where I compromise my values. And I think it, it makes us have to have a, a long, hard look at our friendships. And I it's, it's hard because we have this compulsion for community. Obviously, we want to belong. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to feel like loners. We want friends. But I'll tell you, you know, a thousand lousy friends will never add up to just one good faithful friend. Because one good faithful friend who is there for you, that will help you weather any storm. But all those thousand, when things go bad or when you start standing up for your values, they're not going to stick around. You know, they're only there for kicks, for, you know, the story, for the experience, because maybe there's someone who shares an interest with them. But the second that no longer becomes like something that's fruitful or beneficial to them, they'll be gone. And so what kind of friends do you have and what kind of friend are you? Are you intentional in your friendships? Are you helping encourage other people? Who are these people in your life? So who are those people who are forming you, the Pauls and the Peters of your life? Who are those people you look to for example? Are they formally forming you in any way? Might you invite them to do that? Might you invite them to, um, you know, to coffee once a week or once every few weeks, or to be your mentor, to be your spiritual director, to be you know someone who is coaching you uh, through through your work or your life or whoever that is, whatever your career or, or kind of state in life is. Uh, if you're married, newly married, is there a couple uh, who you admire the faith and the relationship of, who you might uh, ask to kind of walk with you and, and teach you, ask uh, to, to kind of glean lessons from them, who are those people who are forming you or who might you want to invite into that position in your life? Who is walking with you? Secondly, who are the Sylvanas or the Silases in your life who are, who are there kind of helping you, walking with you, but, but they're not above you. They're just kind of with you on the journey. You know, who are those people? I'm thinking of like Simon of Cyrene who comes and helps Jesus carry his cross. He's just there with him. You know, who are those people who are really solid, faithful friends who are there with you? They're not high and above you in terms of knowledge or their state in life, like you're pretty much in the same age, same vocation, same state in life. Um, how can you support one another, encourage each other, build good community? And then who are you forming? Who are the Timothys in your life? Paul was a, a, a longtime mentor of Timothy, You know, not only allowing him to travel with him and to help him in his ministry, but then writing to him and encouraging him and mentoring him even when he was a bishop. And, and it's clear from the, those letters that he was a very young bishop. And so he needed the mentorship of someone older and wiser like Paul, who was also very well educated. So who are you an example for? You may not realize this, but you are you are an example to those who are younger than you, who are maybe less further along in their education or their vocation or their knowledge of the faith than you. Who are those people? And maybe naturally, you're a parent or a grandparent, and you have these people who are uh, in your family who you are um, given the great gift of caring for and raising. But are you taking that with a sense of spiritual responsibility? You know, not just feeding, clothing, housing them. Uh, granted, those things are beautiful and important and absolutely do those things. But are we taking all of these roles with a uh, a spiritual seriousness? You know, who's forming us in the spiritual life? How do we ask them or invite them to do that more consistently? Uh, who is walking with us. And maybe we need to form some kind of small group or Bible study or some kind of community group where we can get together once every week. Who are you forming? Who are you being an example for? Who have you been put in a position where you have authority over someone or care over another? How are you taking that seriously as a Christian? Are you exercising virtue? Are you teaching them good things, how to live virtuously? I think it's so important to maybe even have a running list of these three categories of people. Who is forming me? Who is walking with me? And who am I walking with? And who am I forming? Okay, who's forming me? Who in my life are we walking together with? I don't know what the proper grammar is for that, but who am I walking with? And who am I forming? And then recognizing if there are other friendships that are still around, that's okay. They don't need to all be spiritual in nature, but we need to make sure we're on our guard, setting proper boundaries. I always say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so if we're spending the most of our time with those friends who are involved in sinful practices or inappropriate or imbalanced lifestyles, things that God wouldn't approve of, that God doesn't, that the church doesn't teach, um, are, are leading to abundance and goodness or that don't align with what the church teaches, we don't write those people off, but we need to be cautious of not falling into the near occasion of sin when we're with them. If we're around a group of friends where we're the holiest person, we are setting the bar always, then we're never going to be kind of positively pressured to grow. We need to surround ourselves with people who are chasing after the Lord. So at different times, uh, some of us are challenging the others, and then at other times they're challenging us to continue to grow in faith. So don't write off all your friendships. You know, I, I love the Ben Rector song. You can't make old friends. Um, you know, my old friends, my childhood friends, my group of guys from high school and elementary school, like they mean the world to me. You know, uh, and I I value them, and I value those friendships, and I love them. And then I also have newer friendships, and I recognize like where in my life certain friendships and relationships are helping me spiritually, and those that um, that I have an opportunity to serve. I have an opportunity to form others spiritually to be a good example. And so, um, but if friendships, if any of the relationships in your life aren't falling into these three categories, then I would say really reassess if they're actually friendships or if if this is just kind of some kind of arrangement that has been going on for a long time, you know. Um, but pretty much everyone should be able to fall into these categories. Who's forming me? Who's walking with me? Who am I forming? Do they all have to be Catholic? Do they all have to be Christian? Do they all have to be... moral all the time? Absolutely not. But are they supporting us in our spiritual walk? Are they helping us grow? Are we being put in a position where we can help them grow? Or are we being tempted to turn away from our faith when we're with them? Then we really have to be cautious about how much time we spend with these people, if any at all. So who's in your corner? Who are your Pauls, your Silas's, your Timothys? And how are you a Paul, a Silas, a Timothy for others? important things to think about this week, but that is all I have for you. God bless you, and until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.